in motion is Sewell. Goff to throw. Wants to throw it to Sewell. Oh, he caught it. Yes. Boy, Sewell on a first down. Oh, yes. the big man dives down at the 31-yard line. Oh, that is beautiful. Welcome to the 20 Minute Huddle Podcast presented by Microsoft here in Phoenix at the Super Bowl Radio Row. And I'm with a guy who really needs no introduction. And I have to say, I, I had Michael Brockers on earlier. He had this giant cat like shirt on. But I'm saying Typical you, Brockers. This, this is you, what you've got going on here is it's is rivaling him for best dressed here at Radio Row. I just you got the swag. I just everything was comfortable. That's all. And then I put all the things that I got for as a gift. So this is a gift. This is a gift. Everything that's shiny is a gift. I like it. Know that. Obviously, I'm talking to Jamal Williams, who really needs no introduction. All he is is holds the Lions' record for most touchdowns in a in a single season. Have you gotten used to that yet? People saying that to you, not hearing it. I mean, sort of, kind of. But it's like I wish I could put like me and then put like. All my linemen, friends, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Linemen and the tight ends and the receivers blocking, so they could be part of this too. It's not just me. So I just try to make sure I give credit to them for as much as they did this season to help me get it. And it's not just one person who got it. So I just want to give credit to my teammates for helping me get it. I appreciate y'all, and this record is not just me. It's y'all too. Well, you're here in Phoenix, and you got to be living your best life, Jamal. This seems like this setting, Radio Row. I know you were with Jerome, and, and you're making all the, the stops. It seems like it fits you and your personality, right? Do you yeah. enjoy yourself, or do you not like this? Oh, no, this is work. This is, <laughs> this is work. I, right now, this is cutting into my Hogwarts time because <laughs> I'm going crazy right now. I'm, like, only level 13, but I'm going crazy. So, yeah, I'd rather go play a video game than You and Neil me. Larson talk in the offseason about – how far you guys have gone. Neil? Yeah. Right now, Neil, we're not friends right now. Because <laughs> he came in, I went up to his office, and we played uh, Smash Brothers. And I I knew he was going to be good when I seen his freaking little keyboard. He has a keyboard oh, yeah. with And we're talking about Neil Larson. Controllers. Really good producers. With controller things on the end of And it's a big, it's, excuse my language. Yo, it's you're a good. Big, big <laughs> keyboard. <laughs> and he has, you know, controllers on there. And then he over here going crazy with, Bowser Jr. It wasn't Bowser Jr. It was you can change the characters and it turns yeah. into like one of the little minions. But that's what he did. And he <laughs> and I I like Bowser. That's me personally. But he was just I know he was good. But I didn't think he was that good. So he good, but it makes me mad. Now he talking. Excuse my leg. No, you're good. He's talking. <laughs> <laughs> so he been talking since he beat me. And now I need the Beetle. Oh, you got to. Yeah, but right now. So this is not. a little duel that's now oh, in the Detroit Lions Allen Park office. No, no, no. It's a rivalry. It's a rivalry, it's a rivalry now? Yeah. I just got to go practice. So, Neil, watch your back. Watch <laughs> your back because I'm coming at you with uh, razor blades and lemon juice. <laughs> that's all I So I, how's the offseason been? I know it, it's been about a month. So how's the body feeling? You, you, you oh. rehab, do you, what's your process? Do you take a little time off or do you yeah. kind of get back into working out? I guess what's your, what's your drill? This is my cheat month, my relaxed month. Yeah. Don't do anything. I can eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want and chill. But mostly I just want to sleep, play video game, <laughs> yeah. sleep, go use the restroom, sleep. <laughs> if I have, if I can. But I'm still, like, now I'm getting real active in the off season of just getting business and doing stuff. So yeah. try to, you know, do that, do what I need to do first, do what I need to do before I want to do. So 
speaking of business, there is a business side of football, and you yeah. are coming off a 1,000-yard season. Obviously, the 17 touchdowns, your best season as a professional, yards, carries. Um, and, and you talked, I know we talked during the season, you love the situation here in Detroit. You love the coaching staff. You love the teammates. You, mm-hmm. you just love um, the, you know what Dan and, and Brad are building here. You are an unrestricted free agent. I, I guess what, what are your thoughts heading into, into free agency and the, and the business side of football? And honestly, just the business side, I really just want to stay with Detroit if I can um, and really just stay here and leave my mark here. And like, I really want to finish here, you know what I mean? Yeah. If I could. So it's more of just going with it. I understand it's a business, man. You know, team got to do what's best for them. And then I got to do what's best for me, too. But I just really want us to come to a mutual agreement. Let's get it done. So then we can get back to just playing football. Again. Yeah. So what is it about this team, Jamal, that, that makes you want to? to stay and be a part of this and finish your your career here? Uh, I think it's just the energy. I like the energy. I like the – I look at B. It's Brockers right there. Let me say, Brockers! He can't hear me. He can't hear you, but you see the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I told you, you he's got every single big cat on that shirt. Let me see. Brockers! Brock! Hey! <laughs> What's up, fan? <laughs> What's doing? I'm doing an interview right now. I just want to say hi. Let me see that cat. Let me get see that cat shirt. Oh, yeah, I told you. <laughs> that's my dog. But that's your, yeah. He was on earlier. He's great. Yeah, that's my dog, too. That's I love some rock. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Just the the my teammates, they just all got their own personal personality. Yeah. But at the same time, everybody's personality is different, uh-huh. but they all mold together for us to be a good team. And I feel like that's what you need is honesty. Yeah. Like, we're not always happy-dappy. You know, teammates argue, teammates fight. But at the same time, it's like we, family. Yeah, we are when we fight to know that we want to be great and want to be better. So, what is it about Dan too? And and I know Calvin Shepard's talked about this too. With with you know Dan telling him you're not sh- shaving your dreads. I mean, you are who you are. But it sounds like Dan and Brad and this organization really lets people be who they are. And I know you've talked about this too. And there's got to be a comfort level as a player too to know that you can just come here. Look, you're going to work. Yeah, and, and they're going to make sure you you know you you, you guys work, but you can be yourself doing it. Well, and there's got to be something very appealing to that as well, great. right, Jamal? It's great to have uh, coaches that let you let you be yourself. Yet at the same time, they want you to succeed. They yeah, they don't care about you not doing it a certain way to how they do it or how they want you to act, and then they you know they punish you for that and not make not let you play. You know, which is crazy. Right. I feel like you should let your players be who they are. At the same time, you know, keep the structure, keep the discipline, keep all that, and limit, but yet don't let them be themselves while playing football. And I feel like that's how we get more out of each other is just go out there, have fun, and have fun with each other. Like, it makes you want to make plays and then look at your teammates and let's do something. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's, I think that's what makes playing football even better is when you have other people to play for instead of just yourself. First thoughts when you found out Ben Johnson was going to be back as the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Man, thank goodness, God, we can do it. Because <laughs> you know, uh, you know, um, Deuce is gone, so it's like, and he has a real, a real reason why he's leaving. Yeah, so it's nothing against Deuce leaving. I'm just sad that he's gone because I really, Deuce is somebody that's really close to me. So, yeah, um, it hurts a lot, but at the same time, you know, I understand that it's a business. You do what you need to do for what you got going on sure. in life, and I re- totally respect it. But it's just, you know, it's just sad. But I'm grateful that Ben is still there and it's just there. It's just me. Like, I don't like change. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. Well, one of the I things can. you're not going to have to worry about in terms of change is all five of those offensive linemen, Jamal, under yeah. contract. How big is that 
Now, this offense for this running back room. That's what you need to start with. It always starts with the line, and if they got the mentality of just being dogs and, and working hard, that's and that's what our line is all about, is just being dogs, running the ball, pass protection. But they, they want to get that ball running, you know what I mean? And they the ones that be emphasizing it the most. So let's run this ball, let's get it going. And that's what it is. And I just like having linemen that are dogs that got more dog, same dog as me. Yeah. And, and we looking at each other in the in the in the huddle, and we looking at third and one, fourth and one, or you know, let's get it, let's go get it. Four you know four minute drive, let's finish this run behind. You me. know, yeah. yeah. And they tell me, run behind me, talk. You know, that's what you want to hear. Yeah, that's what you because it gets both of us turned. It gets us both going, and that's what I like about my linemen is they just they bring the they bring the juice for me, and I bring the juice for them, but yeah. it's always a give and take. You know, I, I was looking at some of your statistics, obviously coming off a terrific season, but 915 carries in your career, it, it seems to me, and, and the way that you ran this year and, and how good you looked from week one to week 18, it, you've got a lot left in the tank, don't you? I got a lot. It's just let me get these opportunities in. You know, I'm just a, I'm one of those backs who just got to, I got to get going, and I just <laughs> need the carries or and just get more comfortable. And it's just once I get going, and, and for me too, that's why I can't wait for this off season to bring back of like I don't want to just be shut down to just running the ball. I want to get back to running routes. I want to get back to doing options. Being because that's my last year at Green Bay. I was really out there and yeah. I was really feeling comfortable with it and with my receiving it. And once I got to Detroit, I understood my role at the time, but it's still. You know, I want to be more. You want to see that role expanded. Yeah. And that did lead into my next question, just to focus this offseason. And, again, I'm with Jamal Williams, uh, running back for the Detroit Lions. Uh, it's, what, what, what's the focus this offseason? Is that it? it expanding oh, yeah. the in totality of just, the game? Just expanding and, at the same time, just making sure my body is durable and a little more versatile. Yeah. I just I feel like I was a little versatile this year, but that's just me learning, like, okay, I don't need to do so much to – break a tackle and or to break one yeah all I got really need is a stiff arm just to get just stiff arm a little baby bit and then I'm gone you know and I did that did that a couple times now to understand like all right I I understand how I want to run the ball from now on and and be more explosive and make more explosive plays and and not just go down on on first contacts or you know put my head down and going straight down yeah keep my head up make somebody miss and go make a play so and that's what I'm trying to do well, Jamal, have a terrific rest of the week. Uh, I know with free agents going, you became a fan favorite. I, I know fans out there are, are going to be really happy to know that that you want to be back here. Oh, yeah. um, you want to finish this thing out in Detroit. Have a good rest of the week. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate Detroit. I appreciate y'all. Love y'all. I appreciate all the Detroit fans, no matter if you're in Detroit or not. I appreciate the love and the support, and I appreciate your loyalty. So yeah. go Lions. There you have it. Welcome back to the 20 Minute Huddle podcast, and I am joined by, I think some fans will remember, Dominic Rayola, 14 years as a center for the Detroit Lions. 14 years. Do you still put wrap your head around that? When, when, when you were finishing up in Nebraska and going to the NFL, did you ever think you'd be in the NFL for 14 years and have as long a career as, as you had? No, I was fortunate. Um, it, it still went by way too fast. Uh, you know, you always look back and what you could have done different and what you would have done different and yeah, I would have done a, a little bit different, but I don't regret a day I spent there in Detroit. And, um, you know, always thought I'd leave a legacy of leaving a place better than I found it. And 
shoot, there was some ups, there were some downs, but I feel like it was better when I left, and, uh, and they're, they're in a good place now. Yeah, they're in a pretty good place. I mean, how often do you get to watch them? I mean, how much do you enjoy now seeing guys like Penny Sewell? Yeah. Taylor Decker, yep. Frank Ragnow, Pro Bowler, right? Jonah Jackson, yep. Pro Bowler, and what they've built up front. And and that really started, you know, not uh, just a couple years after you left with, with Taylor, and they've really built that up, and it's become one of the strengths of this football team. Well, and that's why you see some of the success that they've had. And uh, they built a good room. They built a room of depth, um, you know, continuity. So I think with that, um, you get to build the rest of the team around it, you know, and um, – it is fun to see. It's fun to root for them again. Uh, you know, there were some years there where it was hard to root for them just because of the way a lot of stuff went down. But I love Danny. Love Dan Campbell. People, you know, I played with Dan, so people always ask me, is that, that who he is? I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. That's just a little bit of who he is. But when a coach is as passionate about winning as a lot of the players are now, you're going to have a lot of success. And it's a huge offseason for them. Uh, I'm excited. You know, it's no better time to be a Lions fan. But, you know, you talk about drinking the Kool-Aid, and it's you kind of wish you had about four or five more weeks in the season, just how hot they got. I don't think anybody wanted to play them and see them in the playoffs with the way they finished. Not, no, not, not at that point in the season. People were getting healthy. They were getting people back. And so. What was Dan like as a player? Because I was, <laughs> I was going to get to that, and I'm glad you brought it up. Because that's what people say when they talk about Dan is he, he's no different than he was as a player. He's just an authentic kind of guy he's all about ball what what struck you as from Dan Campbell the player yeah when when Mike Morris brought Dan in um he was he was smart uh he was physical loved the weight room um but he but he was a competitor and he was one of those dudes where you don't want to mess with him you know (laughs) he was whistle to whistle he wasn't cheap um but he 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 was who he was, and and he's tough, and and, and he's a competitor. But he, you know, he he got drafted by uh, Parcells, right? Right. And and coached for Sean Payton for a while. So this guy, not only does he have the the metal inside of him to the makeup of 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 these guys, he was also drafted and groomed by these guys, right? You know? And uh, and then a little bit of Dan, a little bit of Parcells, a little bit of Sean Payton, a lot of Detroit. Um, you know, you can see why they're winning and has have success, and and the players believe in it. You can see how they're playing; they play with that type of intensity. Did you ever think when you were playing with him that coaching was his future? Did he have that kind of? Was he that no, kind of guy? I was surprised. No, I was surprised <laughs> when he was, and and uh, but you knew whatever he was going to do, he was going to be successful because he took it serious. He took everything he did serious, and for him, you know, when he went down to Miami, had that one year, and then he you know, be, just became a coach. You weren't surprised that, you know, you never questioned that this, if this guy was a coach or not, it's just, I didn't think he was gonna be a coach. Just, but yeah, but you know, he's going to be good at it because he, you know, he, 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 everything he did was intentional. What is there about you? You know, you, you were playing in this league for so long. You had some coaches who weren't players. You had some who were, what is it about a, a, being a player um, first and then a coach? It, it seems like there's a buy-in from from the players because they know that you know that coach has been in in, in your shoes. Right. He's not going to ask you to do something one he hasn't done himself or you know wasn't asked to do himself. Is there something to that? Because this coaching staff is filled with a ton yep. of players, and it seems like there's really a buy-in at all yep. levels and all all positions. Well, there's a ton of good coaches on this staff, really good coaches that had a lot of success in the NFL, and they didn't have success because they cut corners, and so. 
when you bring people in, you know, like I just saw Dre got hired and yeah. Dre called me. He was so excited. You know, he called me the week before he was going to get hired uh, and he knew it. And it was just so exciting because they care, you know, a bunch of guys that care. And when those guys care, they can read players and know if they care enough to change a place yeah. or care enough to take this team to the next level. I have to say, you look pretty good. Are you, are you enjoying retirement? Absolutely. You're in the Phoenix area now, right? Absolutely. How's your golf game? Where's your handicap at? I'm a 12, but I could shoot 87 or I could shoot 77. So we'll see. And, <laughs> you know, one of the things we got to touch on, I've got a son who's just entering high school playing sports, uh, hockey, and baseball. And it's so fun to kind of live vicariously through your son. Your son, Dylan, obviously is is one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. Tom, when you hear so, there's some comparisons that, that that Dylan is like a, a Trevor Lawrence type player, like that kind of, you know, once in a decade type player. When, when you hear that about your son, it's got to make you smile. Is it surreal a little bit? I mean, when you hear that, it's how cool. crazy is that? Yeah, it is cool. Um, it, it, it's really cool when you when you put it that way. It's but you hear it all the time. You hear, you know, other coaches, coaches from other teams that are you know, recruiting for other teams and saying that he's this type of player, he's generational. When you say, like, start saying stuff like generational. <laughs> hey, man. How you doing, bro? Good to see you, man. Good Love to see you. you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but he, it's a it's a cool experience um, to go through this process with him. Um, and, you know, not only that, but you can kind of guide them to where they need to get to and what the work ethic looks like, um, you know, and, you know, to see him have some of that um, and just really raising a good person. Yeah. Just being a good person. That's and, first and foremost. Oh, that's 100%. The athletic stuff is second. And I'm yes. the same way with my son. I mean, yeah. be a good person, be respectful, grades first. I mean, I'm I'm trying to raise a, a, a young man right. who's going to be right. a good person, a good husband, good that's father, right. whatever. That's, that's right. first. Athletically, whatever you do, yeah. that that's good, too. But right. I, I love that point that you made yeah. because it is important servant leadership and in our house it's important you want to be a good brother you know he has a younger brother that's going to follow his footsteps one day and um you know he has an older sister that so it's just being a good person good good son um you know doing your chores the thing the minute things like you never lose that yeah you never change the person you are so it is uh it is a a fun to see the growth and kind of him to take the bull by the horns and kind of create his own path yeah all right, you've got to subtly throw those Nebraska things though in there, don't you? Do, 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 do you normally, yeah. like, hey, yeah, you know, <laughs> you finally can't, you finally feel good about about promoting Nebraska again. About hey, this is the look at it. I mean, it's Nebraska was was Alabama back in the day, you know, in the dec- team of the decade, team in the nineties. Yeah. Right? So, um, you know, you gotta, you never close any door. Um, what what you know what we we never limit yourself to what you can do. You never limit yourself of who you talk to. Yeah. And so that's a that's a big deal that uh, you just learn everything you can. And, he, you know, he's a relationship type kid. And and that's um that's going to help him in life. Yeah. You know, like read the room, you know, know who you're talking to, ask questions, you know, all those things. Uh, pluses, minus, positives, negatives. So uh, all of those things, uh, you know, is this part of his makeup.
I know your daughter's playing uh, volleyball at TCU. She's had it her senior year, obviously, with Dylan. That you're going to have another uh, fun yeah. four years coming up. You got the youngster yeah. coming up, volleyball. You're a busy guy right now, getting a little golf in, enjoying yeah. retirement, yeah. watching, living vicariously through the kids. And it sounds like you're having a great time. Just try to be dad. You know, I love just it. Try to be the best dad I can be. And, uh, you know, growing up, still growing up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a good good run so far and looking forward to the future well, i'm glad you stopped by dominic Riola. 14 years detroit lions center some great insight there on, on, on dan campbell and what it's like to be a athletic dad good stuff now right. appreciate you taking the time thanks too Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft back here on Radio Row. And I'm with Robert Mays, who does a great job with The Athletic, The Athletic Football Show, um, do a great job there, too. And let's talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions. Let's do it. This is a big offseason for, let's start with Dan Campbell. Obviously, you come in and, and you knew there was some stuff to fix after, um, you know, the Matt Patricia era. 3-13-1. and one. You're implementing your systems. You know, you have to, you have to learn to win with a very young roster. And then the second season, you see such a dramatic improvement. Obviously, it didn't start very well. <laughs> but the way they finished 8-2 and two and 9-8 and eight and just missing the playoffs. I'm just curious from your national perspective, just the opinion of Dan Campbell and the job that he's done his first two seasons with the Detroit Lions. I mean, I think it's hard not to be excited about it. And on our show, we always just have warm feelings about the Lions. Like, whenever we watch them and... For whatever reason, I mean, even early in the season when they weren't winning, I th- we thought the offense was interesting. So a lot of the way that it was constructed made sense. Ben Johnson was doing a great job. And beyond that, it just felt like they played hard consistently. Even in year one when they weren't winning a lot of games, you could just tell that there was buy-in. I think that a lot of the – it was one of those moments where being on hard knocks, I think, was very good for a franchise yeah. where you really got to get a window into why the staff was built that way, why it might be an advantage. And I think – all of those kind of feel-good narratives that don't always come to fruition seem to take hold for this team this year. And so I think that, from a national perspective, is kind of how we felt about it. It's like every single bit of like warm fuzziness that you want around this team yeah. that they're trying to sell you was worth buying. You know, I think the buying is a is a, a important part of that because you look at the free agent, like the, the John Kaminsky's, the DJ Charks, the Jamal Williams, all these guys, we talked to them after the season, like, I want to be back. Yeah. I want to be part of this. You know, even a guy like you know Josh Woods, one of the better special teams guys in the league, he's like, and I was I was here when they turned this thing around, when they were starting to build this thing, and, and I want to see where it goes, and I want to do that because of Dan Campbell. And when you have that kind of uh, uh, of head coach where, where you just really have built something that players want to be a part of, I, that's when you know you, you maybe got the right guy in charge, right, Robert? There's no doubt. And I think that what we've learned over the last – I think three or four years, but you can go back even further than that. These guys who are kind of these CEO type coaches, as long as they have the right staffs in place, you have a lot of success. And those guys kind of set the tone of what the building is like. To be Mike Tomlin being the ultimate example. Yeah. And you see even this year when it seemed like the Steelers were dead in the water, they somehow come all the way back. And again, they don't have a losing season. What Mike Vrabel has done in Tennessee where you kind of think, well, what does this guy do? You know, if he's not the offensive play caller, he's not a defensive-minded head coach, but the value of those guys I think is very real, and I think that we've seen that, and these culture setters and culture creators and the impact that they can have, you can throw Dan Campbell right in there with those guys, I think. Well, let's flip to the front office part of it because, um, you know, the, 
the job that that um, Brad Holmes is doing there, and you just see some of the young pieces. You look at you, you flipped on to the the Pro Bowl last week, and you see an Amon Ross St. Brown in his yeah. second season, a Penny Sewell in his second season. You know, some of these young guys that have now become core pieces. I think Aiden Hutchinson, uh, James Houston, uh, Kirby Joseph. Some of these guys from this most recent draft have now become core pieces, and you just got to really love the what what. Brad is doing and, and some of the young core pieces that he's building there from a national perspective. I'm curious, just the thoughts on Brad and the, and the job he and Ray Agnew and that front office is doing. Uh, it's hard to argue with it when you think about all of those pieces and hitting on guys a little bit later in the draft. I mean, getting an Amon Ross St. Brown, who I think was on my second team all pro team when we did our show. 17th wide receiver taken two years. And that it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable when you can hit on those guys and the excess value that that creates. Mm-hmm. And I think that looking at, all right, where are we strong and how can we really make that the foundation of who we are and going to get Penny Sewell and adding it to that group that was already full of really good players and kind of having that be a foundation of what you want to be offensively. Yeah. What they've done on defense, I think, kind of more methodically building it, right? They, yeah. they haven't spent big on that side of the ball. They've been biding their time on that side, you know, the, the secondary specifically, right? Like Jeff Akuta's from the previous regime. Right. They haven't really gone out and had that big ticket item there, but now they have money to do that. So yeah. I think the sequencing it all really makes sense. And the one move that I, in the moment, I was like, what? how does this fit? was their decision to keep and pay Jared Goff what they have over the last couple years. I remember Brad was on our show, and I asked him, I was like, well, how does a $30 million quarterback fit into a rebuilding plan? Because in my mind, it was kind of hard to square. But having reliable play at that position as you are building something, I think has been a huge part of their ability to do this. Yeah. So just one of those moments where I will fully admit that I was very wrong about (laughs) the currency that a guy like Jared Goff can provide you. And I think that that's just another example of Brad Holmes having the foresight in a situation like that to understand what somebody like that can provide you in that moment. Well, and he comes from L.A., so he knew Jared really, really well, knew what Jared was about, not just on the field, but how he worked, how he was in the locker room, how he could lead a team. And I think, Robert, a lot of people forget, Jared Goff's 28 years old. Yes, yes. He's not, we're not talking about a 32-year-old, $30 million quarterback who's, you know, in the twilight of his career. I mean, the way quarterbacks are going now, I mean, this guy's got, you know, six, seven, who knows how many years left. He's 28 years old. Now the quarterbacks are making $50 million a year. $30 million doesn't seem very much. And to be a pro bowler, have 29 touchdowns, six picks, didn't throw an interception for what was it 329 passes or whatever the number was just really played well took ownership of Ben Johnson's offense and and really let it they were you know top five in offense to your point I think that was a a, a very good move by Brad but what do you like about Jared moving forward and just how he fits in this team, this offense, and with Ben? I think the nice thing about a guy like Jared is he's not forcing your hand at quarterback. If you have a situation where all right we can go get a guy who is a true difference maker just with his physical skill set that maybe Jared isn't, then you can do that if the opportunity presents itself, but you don't need to. And I think that there is value in those sorts of guys. The one I would go back to, speaking of teams that are here right now, is what Alex Smith provided the Chiefs for those few years before they moved on to Patrick Mahomes because eventually Jared has done great for them. And I think that the press... Jared is a very steady guy. Yeah. Jared is incredibly steady personality-wise. Very even keel. Having that is nice. <laughs> yeah. And so that as a kind of steadying factor early on in a regime, I think is really valuable. But I do think that with guys like that, you probably are going to hit a ceiling eventually. Yeah. So how do you break through that ceiling? 
that becomes a when it makes sense for us rather than we have to operate from a position of weakness consideration. I think that's the value of a guy like Jared Goff. So you can fix some of the other parts of yeah. what's going on. We talked about the defense. They haven't spent big there. I don't know. They do have some cap space, but they also have five picks in the top 81. And so um, it'll be interesting. Just what do they need to do, in your opinion, when you look at them defensively? Because offensively, they've really got all the pieces. They're only missing... DJ Chark and Jamal Williams are going to be free agents. Both have said they want to come back, which we talked about. Um, that all five offensive linemen are under contract. I'm on right side round, and we haven't even scratched the surface of Jamison Williams yet. So I'm just curious, when you look at this team defensively, what do they need to do? How do they go from being, you know, one of the bottom four or five units overall, even though they did play much better the second half of the season, to being one of those teams where maybe if they're just 15th, 16th in the league defensively, this is a really good football team and probably a playoff team that wins the NFC North. Absolutely. I think that's about just building up the back seven. They really haven't done anything there. I mean, you have guys, Alex Anzalone and you journeyman linebackers. Kirby Joseph is obviously a really nice piece of safety, but, you know, corner is full of guys that I like. But yeah. I think that, like, Jerry Jacobs. I, I love Jerry. He, and Jerry's going to be down here. Jerry Jacobs we're scheduled is, with Jerry, and he's going to bring it. I Watching him play, I mean, his rookie year, he was a rookie in 2021, correct? Yes. Yeah. So watching him as undrafted. As, he was undrafted rookie. And that was one of those guys in the second half of the season where I was like, this team plays hard. Yeah. And I, it's like another one of those guys that it kind of inspires those warm feelings. But eventually you're going to want to go out and get some high end talent in the secondary. And I think that this maybe is the off season where you say, all right, is it through the draft? Is it in free agency where we can spend a little bit? You know, like James Bradbury is a free agent. Right. Is it worth spending $12 million a year on a James Bradbury? Do you use a first round pick on a corner? you have resource to kind of piece together whatever that back seven looks like. They've got a lot of intriguing guys up front. Yeah. That is one area where they've spent a lot of resources. They've really tried to build up that up. You stumble into a James Houston somehow. <laughs> so I just think that figuring out the second and third levels of the defense with all of those resources that you have has to be the priority. The What will be the, the theme of the 2023 Detroit Lions, do you think? We're here now, Okay, I, I think is kind of what I would say. You know, can this be a team that you know, wins 11 games and kind of firmly establishes themselves as a, maybe not a contender in the NFC, just because I do think, again, what is that, what does quarterback look like? How young is the defense? All of those things. Philadelphia, San Francisco, look like they're here to stay. Yes. I mean, those teams top to bottom, I mean, there's just elite, elite players every single level. And we don't know what Jamison Williams is yet. I think there are still some question marks there, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won the NFC North next year. Who knows if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback in Green Bay. Minnesota, I think, is definitely set up for a step back, like maybe a significant step back. Chicago might be a year away, maybe. I'd say at least a year away. As a <laughs> Chicago resident and a, uh, someone who watches the Bears a lot, I think that's going to be a long hole, a, a deep, deep hole to dig out of. So right now, I would absolutely be thinking that the Lions are probably the best team in the NFC North. You can make that argument. I know you've excited a lot of Lions fans out there, Robert. I, I'm telling <laughs> you, it's one of those teams where every time I sit down to think about them, I like them more. And every time I've yeah. watched them, I've liked them more. I can't remember what game it probably was. Maybe even after the Philly game, we were just sitting there watching some of the run concepts that they were doing against the Eagles in week one. And I was like, this is great. Like, I just love watching yeah. them. And Ben Johnson being, again, somebody that kind of, you fight behind door number two and is now one of the best play callers in the NFL, you need those every yeah. once in a while. You need to kind of flip those cards over and have them be in your favor, and that's another one. That might be one of the biggest re-ups for this team this offseason. It's right? so important, Ben. It's so important. I, th- I think we've seen that so often. and it's, it's a little bit different when you have a young quarterback that you're helping to build, having that continuity. 
But I still think that that continuity matters, even with a young offense. Yeah. You know, the one I'll go back to is like Brian Dable sticking around for three years in Buffalo and them getting all of that time together, I think has been so important. Cincinnati having their entire staff around as Joe Burrow has built that up. It's impossible to overstate when you have guys year one, year two, year three at any position being able to have those same voices and build on what you've already done, and that's exactly what they're going to have a chance to do. And that's a terrific quarterback-coordinator relationship between Jared and Ben. I mean, when Ben was— it seems like they would jive very well. Very well. And Ben was so smart. that Look, he was building this thing in Detroit and wasn't like, this is what we do, and this is how we go, and let's fit it. It was like, Jared, let's build this thing together. What do you do well? What do you like to do? Let's build some concepts into that, and it allowed Jared to take ownership of it and— he took off. And and I think that's an important part of football maybe that some people don't realize is that relationship t- between quarterback and coordinator and, and being on the same page and feeling like you've taken ownership of that offense and it being yours. There's no doubt. And I think that if you look at the success stories coaching-wise around the league period over the last couple of years, there's a through line in that a lot of these guys, you watch their offenses and it's hard to know what the genealogy of those systems is. I think the Eagles are a very good example. You watch the Eagles run game. It's not what Nick Sirianni was doing in Indianapolis. It's not what Shane Steichen was doing in San Diego or Los Angeles when he was with the Chargers. You watch the Giants right now. That doesn't look like the 2021 Buffalo Bills or Kansas City Chiefs offenses what the Giants did this year. And that's what's funny about Ben Johnson. I remember talking to him in the summer, and I was like, what do you believe in? Like, where do you... Because he... When you're in one place for so long like he was in Miami, when you cycle through all of these different staffs... It's hard to know what tree he necessarily comes off of. Yeah. And I asked him, your day one like install, when you're putting in plays, what are you showing people? And he said, well, it's probably outside zone runs and things like that. But other than that, the passing game, you know, they have Johnny Morton there, who has been in so many different places and has all this West Coast knowledge. And it, the, the branches they can kind of follow offensively and not being so rigid that you're necessarily sticking to one system or plan, yeah. that can only benefit you when you have somebody at the front of it, like Ben Johnson, who can kind of tie it all together. And tailor it to what you have skill-wise. Absolutely. And not the other way around. Yes. Robert, great stuff there. He does a great job for the Athletic Football Show. Make sure you check him out there. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate the insight into everything Detroit Lions. and. I feel for you as a Chicago Bears fan. You know what? We'll all get through it. It's going to be okay. (laughs) We've been there. Yes. Thanks, Robert. Welcome back to the 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast here in Phoenix on Radio Row. And I am very happy to welcome in Jared Goff. Jared, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Hey, no Phoenix Open this year? I know you did the Pro-Am last year. How was that? Yeah, it was fun last year. Not this year, but it, it, was, it was fun last year. And um, my, my golf game, I don't know if it's in quite the right shape right now. But uh, yeah, maybe again next year, we'll see. It takes a couple months after the season, right? You got to get back in the in the flow of things. But how did you do on 16? You have to let everybody know the stadium hole there on 16 yeah. last year. How'd you do? So I hit the green and it spun off, but I but I hit the green. But it, you know, it finished off the green i guess finished with par did you oh yeah we did then uh it's like a team thing so actually we made birdie someone made like a really long putt oh nice 
Yeah. So I've played there before too, and I can say I birdied that hole on my own, hit a 15 footer for for nice. So that's something there. Yeah, yeah. Always one of those things you remember. There, there wasn't the stadium, it wasn't the pressure that you had with everybody there, but uh, fun right. times. Well, Jared, let's let's start with this: the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Congratulations! You know, part of the reason why you're you're down here in Phoenix and your JG 16 uh, Foundation providing scholarships for Detroit. Just why was that important for you, and and what does being nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year mean mean? for you yeah it's it's very cool it's very uh rewarding and um it's such an honor to be recognized you know not only to represent the lions but a part of the nfl and um to be able to show that you know we aren't just guys who do stuff on sundays we we you know have an impact in the community and to be able to represent that's huge but i had a lot of fun this year with the fate program being able to assist those kids with their college uh, endeavors and um it's it's been a lot of fun and very rewarding for me but it ultimately being able to work with those kids is, is the most fun part you know, in last week, you you took part in the revamp Pro Bowl. Congratulations on on your uh, third Pro Bowl nod. And um, just what what was that event like? And and did you like the new format? And and how much fun was it to have three offensive teammates there too? That had to yeah. make that that experience a little bit uh, a little bit more fun for you. Yeah, totally, totally fun. And uh, I, I think seeing Sam Brown at the night, and I think Frank, it was really like his first real one. I believe he made the COVID year, but. Um, seeing them experience that and being able to experience it with them was was so much fun. And um, I thought the game was really well done. I thought it was really fun for us as players. It was fun for us as quarterbacks. And um, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve there with the with the different types of games you play. But it, but it was really fun. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Detroit Lions fans and and obviously you got terrific news with, with Ben Johnson just announcing that hey, I, I've got some unfinished business to do. I, I want to come back and uh, continue to 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 learn and build and and be the offensive coordinator, work with this offense. Obviously, he was you know interviewing for head coaching jobs, but just your reaction to to getting back, Ben and and, and Jared, what's the next step for this offense in twenty twenty three? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge having him back, being able to have some continuity heading into the off season. Um, having a guy that you know knows us, we know him, and don't have to learn a new system, and, and all the success we were able to have offensively last year, it's, it's huge. But um, I think you know the next step is consistency. There was there was times this year where our run game was really good, and our pass game was just okay, and then the inverse where our pass game was really good, and our run game was just okay. So how do we uh, bring it all together and, and get a little bit more consistent, where you know everything's firing on all cylinders every week? So you've got your offensive coordinator back. Well, Jared, how much better do you sleep at night knowing that all five of those offensive linemen are under contract too? And just how important is that for that continuity that you that you talk about moving forward? Yeah, it's extremely important. It's uh, yeah, it definitely eases my mind knowing those guys are are going to be there. And uh, you know, I, I I was so lucky to play behind them this year, and hopefully they can continue and keep them all for as long as we can. But it's it's been a lot of fun and. I think the foundation uh, has been set and, and our standards has been set and um, it'll only go up. You know, you mentioned St. Brown at the Pro Bowl, obviously over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards. He's reaching that superstar status, don't you think, in this league, especially among slot receivers. But in my opinion, just among all the receivers in this game, he, 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 I think Detroit's really found something special there. You'd know better than anybody else. Totally. I, I, I couldn't agree more. He's He's entering that uh, that part of his career where he's you know coming into coming into his own, and I think yeah that year one to year two leap is kind of where you see that. And from him, certainly you saw it last off season and then into the season. But um, can he continue to improve? Can he continue to do all the right things? I got my money on yes. So it's it's fun to work with them and uh, you know be, be on his side. Yeah, they've got some smart money, Jared. Let's stay with the wide receivers real quick. Every year you invite those guys out to California. You guys work and go through things. Is Jamison Williams one of the first calls you're going to make to to set that up this year? 
<laughs> yeah, he'll be there. Yeah, he'll be invited. I, I hope he can make it. Um, I'm, I'm still working on the dates for all that stuff. If it's the spring, uh, when I want to do that, but, um, yeah, certainly he'll be there. And, um, I'm excited to get a lot of work with him this off season and get on the same page and, um, really feel good about things heading to training camp. You know, I had Ray Agnew on the, um, on the podcast last week, he sat down with me at the senior bowl and we just started talking about some things and he talked about JMO a little bit and that he's got a ton of confidence that he can be, you know, number one caliber you know, type of guy. There's just that kind of talent level there. A guy loves yep. ball. Um, do you see the same thing? And, and I know it was hard last year because it's six games. I mean, that's hard when you jump in and you don't have a training camp and off season, all that time you miss. But with him having that um, and, and you guys building some continuity there, just from a skill set alone and the little bit that you saw, Jared, is he, yeah. does he have that kind of caliber in him? No, no doubt. He does. He has the talent. He has everything, everything you want in a receiver. Um, I think it's just going to come to putting it all together um, yeah. with, with our offense and everything. I don't, I don't see that not happening. I think he's got, you know, what you want mentality wise and um, he can take it to the house from anywhere. That's kind of like a very special trait that, you know, we say it, but there is only, you know, can count on, on one hand, how many guys in the league can do that. Um, so, so when you have that in a receiver and he has the will and he has the the fight and the toughness and likes blocking and even doing most receivers don't like um, it, it all, points in the right direction for him well i know everybody's excited about the way you guys finished what you guys have coming back on offense with ben and you and the offensive line and st brown and, and we get to see jmo at, at, at full speed there's a lot of excitement around this team jared uh, uh thank you so much for joining me uh have a terrific time uh sunday being honored for uh, walter payton man of the year you certainly earned that and, and thanks again for joining me have a great offseason well, well how about we talk on um, otas sounds good man thank you all right, Jared, have a good one. All right, see you. Welcome back to the 20 Men in the Huddle podcast, and I am joined by Michael Brocker. Come on, Detroit, man, your face. Nice, get up with the with the Brock brand. I like that. With the Brock brand, and I was a ex, you know lion, and I was ex tiger, and you know, come on, look. you got all the cats going all on. All the here. big cats going on. <laughs> well, how's uh, Super Bowl treating you? We are here in Phoenix, Radio Row. How's the 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 media gauntlet been so far? Man, it's been awesome, man. I love it, man. I, I've been through this 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 uh, what they call it car wash. So yeah. ever the car wash, uh, a couple of times around so i just love the experience get to put out what, what i want to you know my my brand my my platform so i like it and we had you on the podcast earlier in the year it was a really popular one and mm -hmm. it seems like you might have a future in in this media thing huh? I, I mean is that kind of where you're angling have you figured that part of it out yet or because uh, i know when we i mean I really you were starting to think about it you know for sure i really haven't um i'm just not closing any doors i'm yeah. just closing any doors i'm leaving all doors open for media broadcasting podcast like i'm just i'm just trying to do it all i, I don't want to be locked into any one thing i want to be able to do uh, whatever i want to be honest Bro with you. brock let's start with this it was it was obviously a great season for the team individually you know, up and down mm -hmm. for yourself but mm -hmm. every player every coach i talked to couldn't say enough good things about the way you handled your situation all year and mm -hmm. That captaincy meant something to you, yeah. didn't it? And it because it, the way you approached this season, it, it certainly felt that way. It, it does. It does. I mean, for me, uh, being a leader is what what got me here. You know, it, it wasn't uh, you know my ability. I think you know Dan seeing that you know he was coming into a new regime, new outlook, and you know he he wanted a, a a veteran that can keep the locker room together and you know show the guys how you know what what a true professional is all about and. 
that's what I was there to prove. You know, it was a little struggle at first, but I just had to realize what my purpose on the team was and what my value was. And I think it was really just showing the guys what a professional was all about, coming into work, even though you're, you, you know you're not playing or whatever, being bought into the system and just showing that, you know, uh, it doesn't matter uh, what, what goes on. You, you, you got to be a professional about, you know, your business. And that obviously showed the second half of the season. How fun was that eight and two Man. stretch to end the season? How, uh, it, you just, we enjoyed it, 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 but it was just like a, because we were so locked in week to week on a week to week basis, it's like every game was important. You know, once once we turned it around, every game was important. So it was like a week to week basis. We enjoyed winning, but now I think, you know, these guys, they, they know how to win. So, you know, I remember our first victory versus the Vikings, and we were all hyping. We were dancing in the locker room, and I remember we got a couple. We we got a couple of victories this year, and you know everybody's just like, "Hey, good win, good win." Like now it's it, expected. It, now it's expected. Yeah. Now it's expected. All right, Aiden Hutchinson is down here, up for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Obviously, a guy that yeah. you worked with closely. Yes. Uh, yes just yes, curious, yes. what did you see from him when he stepped in day one to OTAs mm-hmm. to the guy he was? at the end of the year. There really wasn't a rookie wall for him, Michael. It didn't seem, and what's the future hold for him? So, so you know, what'd you see from him, and what do you like about his future? Um, man, I just, like, his professionalism as a rookie was crazy. It was, you know, it, it almost like he was in the league five years, you know, just how he took the game, you know, to a technical level. He's watching film. Like, it, it was plenty of times, like, I will go into the lot, and I play it. I pride myself on going to the meeting room early and know he will be in the in there first watching film on his pad, writing notes and stuff like that. And, you know, I just tell him, hey, man, what's up, greatness? You know, I just call him greatness, <laughs> just messing with him because, you know, I've seen that before. You know, I played with Aaron Donald, and, and it, he reminded me of him, you know. I used to go into the uh, the, the meeting room early uh, when I would play for the Rams, and I would see AD in there watching film and studying his opponents. And, it, you know, Hutch was doing the same thing. So to see that and see that comparison, I was like, man, this guy got – he has a, uh, you know, great head on his shoulders, and, you know, he has a long career ahead of him. He's all about ball, huh? All about ball, all about ball, and being being the best player he can be for the team. When did you start to see something unique in, in James Houston? And obviously kind of a hybrid guy. Mm-hmm. He was a stacked linebacker in Florida, then a pass rush edge guy on the line at, at, at Jackson State. Then he was kind of a stacked guy for you guys, and mm-hmm. then on the line, and when did you start to see that that maybe there's some unique stuff with him when he's an, an, an on-the-ball player? Well, you know, it was all about just, you know, him locking in. You know, once once he got some coaches under him that, you know, just saying like, hey, man, you, you're a hell of a rusher. Like, you can go out there and, you know, rush at practice and beat, you know, the, the first team offensive tackles like all the time, you know. So, like, uh, you know, let's let's put some effort into it and show these coaches. And as he, as he built and, and we, we start to lose guys here and there on the D-line, he started to show, you know, what he what he could do, and in, in in practice and in the games, it showed, you know, if, if he can just rush that passion and get after you, he he can make some plays. Is he a great example? Because what you talked about with Aiden of a guy who gets locked in, be about ball, mm-hmm. take coaching, mm-hmm. understand scheme. It's mm-hmm. not just about having the skills, but when he incorporated all that mm-hmm. to it, then you saw the whole game maybe start sure. to come together. For sure, yeah, and I mean, you know, AG's defense is not a, a easy defense to, to to learn, and you know, for a young guy to be as locking in as he was, you know, because, you know, he just jumped in and it was hot. Yeah. You know, we were already rolling when he jumped in there. So he had to kind of – he was already up, on, you know, on the stuff at, you know, at practice being on the, on the scout team or practice squad. But, you know, when he really started to roll, it's a different experience, you know. You got to learn your drops and coverages and stuff like that. So uh, I just, you know, take my habit off to him to be able to, you know, 
take on that 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 toll and be able to get it done. I want to ask you about a, a rookie. Did Blanchard didn't see a ton of because he dealt with injuries early on. But but Josh Pascal, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you see from him? That, and, and the talent level there with him, it seems like he's got some versatility to his game. I mean, he does. He does. He's he's very very fast, very quick off the line, very explosive. Um, I, I mean, he he gets some some technique, you know, under him. He, mm-hmm. Some more uh, technique with some coaching, just working on his hands. You know, he, he was kind of raw coming out of the uh, uh, coming out of Kentucky, and you know, using his hands and stuff like that. But uh, that's that's just with growth. With growth, yeah. you know, you're a young guy, you, you know. Learning to use your hands in this game is a savvy move. It's a vet. It's it's it's, it's veteran things, you know. So uh, I think just with growth, he'll learn those things. He'll be a phenomenal player. You, people sometimes use the term glue pieces. There, there's glue guys on the roster. Mm-hmm. To me, a couple of those guys seems like Isaiah Bugs and John Kaminsky. And is that an accurate assessment? No, nah, that's being honest, man. Being honest, because you know those guys were all about the team. They bought in so quickly. I mean, it, it was crazy just to see. How uh, how quick you know they they adapted to the room you know uh, we tried to keep our room fun and and, and upbeat so uh, they adapted really quickly and to be honest man we we were a close unit yeah close unit uh, we we hung out a lot we went out on on little you know dinner uh, dinner nights and stuff like that for D line and uh, man we just a close unit we we all wanted to see each other succeed and watching John go out there and you know once he got his first start and I told him man you des- you deserve this man. Don't don't think you don't you're not supposed to be here. You deserve this shot and go out there and ball. Don't think about nothing else, and man. He he had a hell of a season. That's the important, isn't it? Too Brock is is just the closeness. He, 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 the offensive line has talked about that. How they're all brothers in that room and go out. And it sounds like it's the same thing with the defensive line. Mm-hmm. That's an important part of 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 team and winning mm-hmm. and building culture, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because I mean, you, you want to know that the guy next to you is is going to have your back. If you know the the guy next to you is going to have your back in every situation up or down, you know, you know you can you, you can ride with that guy, you know. So I think that's the biggest thing is understanding who you're playing with, who you're playing for, and, you you know, when you, you know, when we grow together and you go through training camps and, you know, you, you build that bond, man, playing, on, playing in, you know, on that battlefield and on on that field is, is, is uh, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy. What does your future hold, Michael? Man, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just enjoying, uh, you know, not playing football right now, you know. Uh, enjoy sleeping in, uh, you know. Besides helping the kids out, you know, in the, in the morning. But dad duties important. Dad, dad duties. Got to do my dad <laughs> duties. But you know, I get a nap in between. But for the most part, I'm enjoying just you know just living life right now. Just yeah. uh, uh, own a you know I own a restaurant, own a uh, cigar lounge in Houston. Yeah. So um, you know, being an entrepreneur right now and, and and just focusing on that right now. Well, I will tell you what, we will not have a better guest. On the, or better dressed guest. Oh come on! On the twenty minute in the huddle podcast at the Super Bowl this week's there's you've won nah, it. Yeah, the nah, award is over. It. Oh, it's yours. You. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> Michael Brockers. Thanks for taking the time. Great, great job this year. You know, really helping along the young guys. It was fun to 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 watch this team evolve. You were a big part of that. Appreciate yes, sir. you taking the time. Man, I appreciate you. Thanks, man. Thank you.